You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. All right. So, hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us for this, uh, this sermon, this talk today. Um, as you may know, um, things have, have changed and are constantly changing with our culture and it's uh, changing for everybody, church included. And so what I want to do is um, share a, a message that I brought to a church in Shreveport uh, this past week. And it was a, kind of a, a, a moment of encouragement, a moment of challenge, a moment for all of us to stop and pause, take a deep breath and pray. And so I just wanted to share with you um, kind of that talk here from the, the, the office. And uh, hopefully you'll find, some, you'll find some encouragement and find some hope. Uh, in the Word of God. And so let's do that. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, we love you and thank you for this day. And I just want to thank you for the, the blessing of technology, that in a time such as this, when when we are being encouraged and even mandated to not meet publicly um, simply because of this virus, Lord, that we can come together through this uh, method of, of using the internet, through a live stream, through a recording, through a podcast, so that, Lord, we can gather together for encouragement for mutual um, uh, just inspiration, Lord. And Lord, I, f- I pray that today, Lord, that people that, that are, are, are listening to this would, know, would hear you, Lord, and not me. Uh, and uh, you would speak through your word and your, uh, your servant, Lord, that I am. Lord, I'm, I'm nothing without you. So I just pray, Lord, this would just be a, something that would encourage somebody today and that we would find a way to draw closer to you and become more like you. And, uh, Lord, be with us right now, Lord, as we deal with this as a culture, as a world, that, Lord, we're dealing with this virus that is like nothing we've experienced worldwide in our lifetime. And so, Lord, we're, I'm just calling upon you, Lord, for your, for your provision, for your, your safety, for your healing, Lord, that we would call out to you and see that you would heal us, Lord, that you would heal your land, you would heal your people, the, the people uh, that you created to be in your image. And, Lord, it's with love and grace and with anticipation that we ask, Lord, for your deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to just uh, do this, all right? Um, a couple weeks ago, before the kids were out of school for for the uh, the, the, the reason of the virus, they, school is out for at least a month and maybe longer. We'll see what happens. Um, but I picked up the kids from school, and then when they got in the car, my nine-year-old Jericho started telling me that they had had a, a, an assembly or, or, or a moment where they were explaining what was going on. And this was before they had made the decision that school would be out. They were just letting them know, hey, there's this virus going around, and it's not a good thing. And it wasn't a thing to try and scare the kids, but to remind them of the importance of washing their hands and of um, you know, not touching your face. And so they, I guess they kind of reiterated that, like very... Uh, you know, let them know like, you don't touch your face. It, you know, try to make yourself not touch your face. Wash your hands. Keep your hands clean, which we try to do anyway. But you know, kids with kids, boys get dirty, and boys don't always think, "Well, I got to wash my hands." And so we tried to like up that game, right? Well, they did this at school, and so as Jericho's telling me this, I, I don't see him because I'm driving. He's in the back seat, but he says, "Dad, I just had an itch right by my eye, and I scratched it. 
do I have the virus now? <laughs> he was worried. He was worried that he had like got the virus because he had an itch and he scratched it and he had just been told, don't touch your face. And so that's what happens. We can worry about a lot of things, right? I mean, what are some things that, that people worry about? What are some things you worry about? Might be like me and, and things that could be a worry, your finances, um, the future, obviously. As a parent, you, you may tend to worry about your kids. As a kid, as you get older, you become adult, you begin, maybe you begin to worry about your parents. We begin to worry about these things. And I, and I think about worry and, and uh, concern. And is there a difference between being worried and concerned? And there really is. If you really take the time to, to determine what these two words mean, concern is a concern is something that occupies your minds. A concern is something that, that gets your attention. You, it, it sets up place and it has your attention and it occupies your mind, okay? You might be dwelling on it for a little longer than you want to, but it's a concern because it has, it has your attention and it occupies space in your mind. Worry is when that goes from something that occupies your mind but causes this uneasiness of mind. It causes a... Uh, uneasiness is the only real word to, 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 I can think of to, to put it in. Like uh, Worry is not just having to take up space in your mind, but causing you to be uneasy because it's there in your mind. And so there's a difference between concern and worry, and I think we all know that. Now, Jesus says there's a few things that we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to not do some things. And one that we love in our culture is judge not, right? I mean, it, even those who are like not followers of Christ and not churchgoers use this all the time. It's like, well, you know, I thought the Bible said judge not. I thought Jesus said don't judge. And so we like that one. We like judge not. Uh, we also, in, in, in a lot of us in church, we, we like sin not. I mean, it reminds us, like, we've been delivered. We are being delivered. We, we can live a holy life if we follow Jesus and let him live through us. It's a possibility. So we like what he says, sin not. And he does say that. But what about where Jesus says, fear not? And what about where Jesus says, worry not? What about those? What happens when we get tied up in those knots? Because it can happen, right? We can get tied up in the knots of not worry and not fear. Jesus says not to do this, and yet we can find ourselves tied up in it. So what do we do? Well, let's go look at what Jesus actually has to say about this, okay? And this is in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read... Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And if you want to check, like look that up on your Bible or, or, or get the Bible app at the same time, I'll, do, I'll give you a minute just to do that. Just as a reminder, though, as we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about worry and about fear. Concern is when something occupies your mind, has your attention. Worry is when you are uneasy about it, that you just, you, you're, you're shaken by it. Okay, that's, that's the difference here. So Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. This is right in the middle of this sermon Jesus gave that we've come to call the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, he's really setting them up, uh, talking about the people that are there. Lots of people gathered around Jesus. And he's, you know, he's talking about you know, how to love your neighbor. He's talking about how to be blessed and how to be a blessing. He, he's giving them uh, uh, ways to live and how to, what kind of foundation to build your life on. And in the middle of all this, he says, verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, 
He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And if there is anything I think some of us or all of us could say amen to is, man, today's trouble is <laughs> enough for today. So Jesus said, don't let worry, don't let an uneasiness about what's going to happen and what could happen set up place in your mind. What you should let occupy your mind is taking care of think, today's business today. All right? So let's dig into this a little more. There's a, um, here's a big idea for us to kind of to build on. When you fully trust Jesus, his place, his, his peace replaces a worry in your life. When you fully trust Jesus, His peace fully replaces worry in your life. Now, how does that happen? How do we get there? How do we get to a place where we truly trust Jesus? Well, there's a few thoughts I want to share, kind of building on that big idea from the Scripture and several other passages of Scripture that we'll look at together that will help us learn how can we trust Jesus, fully trust Him. The first thing that really helps is to understand this. Jesus knows your needs. He knows your needs. There's not a need you have that Jesus doesn't know. He knows your needs. Now, a couple uh, weeks ago, again, I had my boys with me, Jericho and Niall, my nine-year-old and eight-year-old. And we were getting haircuts, much needed, and we were going to do the grocery shopping. Now, the most optimal thing for me to do to do the grocery shopping, which I tend to be the one that does the grocery shopping for our household, is to not do it with a nine-year-old and eight-year-old boy. So it doesn't happen very often. This is probably the first time in over a year that I've had to do the grocery shopping with these two in tow with me. And, and, and if you're a parent, you understand that, especially if you're a parent of boys, especially boys that are like a year apart in age. Uh, trust me. If you're not, just trust me. And so when we go, and I said, you can you know, judge me if you want to, but I made this deal with him. I was like, if you be good, <laughs> if you'll be good while we're here. And I'm like, whatever it takes, y'all. And, and especially because, you know, our eight-year-old Niall has autism. And I don't, you know, anything I can do to help him, you know, like, guide away from any kind of meltdowns, I will get you a prize. We'll go to the toy department, and I will let you pick out a prize. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking... I'm going to let them spend about $10 each, like a $20 limit. I'm not telling them, you know, I'm, you're going to spend $20 or $10 each. I'm just saying in my mind, that's my thought process. Whatever they pick, I'm going to make sure they're only allowed to do this. And so we turn the corner. And as we turn the corner, my son Niall sees this cage full of balls. You know what I'm talking about, right? I have one of these balls. And here's the, I have the ball in my hand right now. There's the ball. And he sees this cage full of these balls, right? All these different color rubber balls. You know what I'm talking about. You can actually hear the sound, right? Yeah. And so he says, I need a ball. And I'm thinking, we got a yard full of balls. I mean, there's soccer balls alone. There's like six soccer balls in our yard. You need a ball? And he said, yes, I need a green ball. And I see the balls are $1.98. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you need a ball. That's right. You sure do, son. And we get there, and, and I, like, I have a bright green ball in one hand and this dark green ball in the other hand. I said, okay, do you want the bright green ball? Because I'm thinking, I love bright colors. And if I'm getting a green ball, it's going to be that neon lime green ball. But he says, no, I need a dark green ball. I need, he emphasized it, I need dark green ball. 
I said, okay, son, here you are. And I presented him this dark green ball. And he was excited. He kind of jumped up and down. He said, I got the ball. I got the ball. And so he picked out his ball. Um, just so there's no cliffhanger, my son Jericho picked out something that was like exactly $10. He didn't, he didn't save me eight bucks like, like Niall did. But, but Niall was saying, I need this. And the reality was he wanted it, right? I mean, there's a difference between what we want and what we need. I think the first step to trusting Jesus is to, under, is to like go to and understand he knows what we need. And a lot of times we come to him with our wants and we think, well, maybe he doesn't care about our needs, but he does. He knows our needs. Jesus says, you worry about uh, having enough. Isn't life more than food and clothes? Isn't life more than stuff? Isn't life more than, than toilet paper and hand sanitizer? I mean, isn't there more to life than that? That's essentially what he says. He's reminding us, really what he's reminding us is, is something about money and our relationship to money. He's reminding us that money is an excellent tool, but money is a horrible master. Because here's the context. Remember we read Luke 6, 25, but back up to verse 24. Here's the context of where this is in this sermon. He says in verse 24, you, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So the context here is you can't serve both God and money. You can only have one God. That is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. That's why I tell you that. Peace of mind is greater than stuff. Peace of mind is greater than money. Peace of mind, I mean, I don't know if, if, if you are torted all those toilet paper rolls, because somebody did. I don't know if that gave you peace of mind or not. I, I have my doubts. But you can have peace and not have all this stuff. Because here's the thing about money. When you come right down to it, money doesn't know you. Money doesn't have your best interest at heart. Money doesn't love you, but God does. God knows you. He has your best interest at heart. He loves you. And Jesus says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And God already knows all your needs. He's like, worrying about all this stuff dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But if you believe, under you know. If you believe, you know. God already knows all your needs. In the scriptures, there's a, a psalm. A psalm is like a song put to, uh, a poem put to words, like a song. Um, and Psalm 139, verse 1 through 3 says, O Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. We don't have to jump up and down to get God's attention. He knows what we need. We don't have to be like a little boy trying to get, you know, getting the ball he wants so desperately at the store because God knows our needs. There's not angels that are up there going, hey, God, you need to pay attention to, to Steve right now. You need to pay attention because he's, he's going through it. You need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to what's happening here because they have this virus going around, God, because nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing. Understand that. This stuff we're going through right now in our culture it has not taken our God by surprise. He is familiar with all your ways. He knows how you feel about it. He knows how your thought presses are. He's with you. And so Jesus, Jesus knows your needs. He knows your needs. And, and here's the next thing is, not only does he know them, he wants to meet them. Jesus, 
knows your needs. Jesus wants wants to meet your needs. It's his desire. It's what he wants to do. We have a God who just not only knows what we're going through, but he wants to provide what we need. That begs the question, though, how? How is God going to meet my needs? And so this is a challenge for us. How does God meet my needs? Because sometimes we think, you know, God is like, you know, you put in a request and you get the answer. And it doesn't necessarily work that way. God has already provided for how he meets our needs. One way is work. And I understand it's a challenge right now for a lot of folks that are maybe not able to work in the same way or same capacity because of a lot of things that are happening in our culture because of this virus. But God gave us work. He gave us minds. He gave us He gave us minds to think and bodies to work to, that are capable of doing a plethora of things. That like It's unlimited. He gave us this so we could earn money, so that we could buy the food we need and clothes we need. And the things that he says occupies the mind of unbelievers, he's provided us with the means to earn the money we need to get that stuff. Now, that's, that's a different level for everybody, and I get that. But if we are able to work, we need to work. And that way, well, here's something that happens. If you're able to work and you don't, you, you, won't, you won't have inner peace. It will not happen. Eventually, you will not have inner peace. So God gave us the ability to work in order to uh, see that our needs get met. He also gave us family. Family's God's idea. He created this thing that we call family. And God meets our needs so many times through the hearts of our family members. And I know all our families are different. Not everybody has a wonderful, loving family. Uh, that, but, but I have. And I know lots of people who have. And even if that's not been your history, you can begin it now. You can be that kind of family, and you have, it could start with you. Because I have family members that have been there for me financially, that have been there for me um, a, 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 when I need relational, uh, physically. Uh, family members that have been there for me spiritually to lift me up in prayer. I'm only here today because I have praying family members. No doubt about that. Emotionally, my family has been there for me through difficult times. And this is a difficult time, y'all. And families, we need each other. So I pray that you're supporting your, your family and yourself. And I can say this is, it's been a great blessing to me in those moments. And there have been a lot more moments when I've been on the receiving end and the giving end. I'll, I'll confess that. But in those moments when I've been able to help meet needs of my family, to love them, I've received such a blessing by being able to do that very thing. So that's the part of God's plan. Another part of God's plan for meeting our needs is church. And this is, again, you know, this is, this is a challenging time for us. God meets our need through work, through family, and church. And it's very difficult when we deal with the restrictions and the guidelines and this virus. And, the, and then there's, there's, there's a fear and worry that come with it. Like, how, are we, how is God going to provide for us? And we shut, we're shutting down ourselves from the very things he, he created to help us meet those needs of peace of mind. Well, church, I've experienced this, how, how God provides through my needs through the generosity of the church. I've experienced it uh, you know, over and over, the body of Christ, how people are there for each other. But here's the thing I want us to remember in this time, because if you're like our church, Awakened Church in Natchitoches, Louisiana, you're not able to gather together at least for the next month or so uh, because of things such as the, the restrictions on how many people could be gathered together publicly. For us especially, we meet in a movie theater, and all movie theaters are closed for at least a month. And so how, what does that mean for us? What it means is this. The church is not the place anyway. Church, The church is people. Church is not a place. The church is people. And so we are the church. We are, it's like family. We are family. And we can help each other through this time together. And I pray that we would be people who 
do this, do just that. So God knows your needs. He has a desire to meet your needs. And, and I don't want that to be confused with the idea that God is Santa Claus. Like you make a list and you want to give that list to, to God's dear God. I would like a pony and roller skates and a new video game. And oh yeah, make the virus go away. I also need you know, a package of toilet paper. Dear God, thank you. Uh, Merry Christmas. No, God's not a Santa Claus. He's not like a magic genie that you rub the, the genie in the bottle and pops out. and says, You have three wishes. Like, okay, I got my three wishes, God. No, God knows your need. He desires to meet your need. But he's not like a Santa Claus or a genie. The whole point of this is definitely to meet our needs. But ultimately, it's something Jesus desires. Jesus desires that we trust him. He meets our needs because his, his desire is that we would trust him fully. When you think about trust, right? There's this famous quote on American currency. And it has this, and it's kind of controversial when people start talking about it and they'll debate about whether they should be there or not. But it says, in God we trust on our own American currency. And I'm cool with it being, I'm glad it's there. But here's the thing. I think it's ironic that the thing that has the most potential to steal our trust away from God is the very thing that's got written right on there, in God we trust. During this time, you guys, let's remember that we can't put our trust in the money. We can't put our trust in the finances. We need those. And it's a concern if that's a challenge for us, if it's a struggle, if we're in a time. It's a concern, absolutely. But we can't be worrying so much that it creates uneasiness about us that we can't trust Jesus because his desire is we trust him during this. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is an invitation. It's an invitation from Jesus to trust the Father. To trust the Father, not money, not stuff, not, not, not your own ability, not your own intelligence, but to trust the Father. It's an invitation to faith. It's an invitation to, to putting your faith, your trust in the one who is able to make something happen. I firmly believe that. That we are here in the midst of this, this crisis, this global pandemic, and I'm putting my faith in the one who can make something happen. And I pray you will too. He can turn your world around. Now, Proverbs 3, 5. is this, this famous ancient Hebrew proverb. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And the word depend there, it means it, it, the word is like lean. Do not lean on your own understanding. This is, this is where we're at, you guys. This is who we are. We, are. we are the people who trust in the Lord, our creator, our sustainer, with all your heart. And we don't lean on our own understanding. We don't depend on our own understanding because I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. But I'm trusting in God. Trust requires obedience. And that's, that's difficult because, man, to obey means you have to mind, do what somebody else says. And we don't like that. But God's, uh, to, to trust Him, to, to really trust Him, we have to obey. Um, trusting God with all your heart means having faith to live His way instead of having, it has to be your way. Trust to live by His word instead of it having to be your word. And it can be hard for us because, again, we just don't like people telling us what to do. But there's a big difference between being a fan of Jesus. Like, I'm on Team Jesus, and I'm excited because Jesus says, love your neighbor and love each other and, and judge not, and I'm all a fan of that. But there's a difference between being a fan and an actual apprentice, a disciple of Jesus. Someone who follows Jesus but learns to do what he does. Someone who is becoming more like Jesus. And that means you obey his way. Trust also requires surrender. And we don't like that one either because we like control. We don't like anybody telling us what to do. We like to be in control. Jesus says, you've got to trust me. And trust requires obedience and it requires surrender. 
Because trusting God with all your heart means putting your, your faith not in your own efforts, not in your own skills, not in your own charm, not in, not in ourselves, not in our way, but yielding to His way and saying, Your will be done. And trust requires love. Really. In order to trust Jesus, you have to love Jesus. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. When he says that in the Sermon on the Mount, he's speaking about having an intimate relationship with God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He's saying, have the most important relationship you have, the most intimate relationship you have. Be with your Father God, where you trust and you obey and you surrender because you love him. You love him. You're not trying to earn his love. Again, guys, really? Because if you try to earn the love of God, you'll never have peace. You've already got it. You've already got his love. Live in that and find peace. And then love him. Love him and surrender and obey. So Jesus not only desires that we trust him, he desires that we seek him. He desires we seek him. And, and to seek Jesus doesn't mean like there's this cosmic game of hide and seek. And it's like, even in times like this, and people wonder, well, where is God when this happens? Where is God when that happens? And I get it. That's a great question. And that's, 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 a, whole other, that's a whole other sermon because God's not hiding, though. But to seek Jesus is not like he's playing a game of hide and seek. It means to seek to know him more. Seek to, seek to follow him more closely. To seek to become more like him in every moment. This is an opportunity as we go through this as a culture, this, this virus. It's an opportunity for us, followers of Jesus, Christians, the church, to be more like Jesus in this moment. Jesus gives this, this command, and that's what it is. Seek God first. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a command, but it comes with a promise. Seek God first, and he will provide what you need. What do you need more than anything? Of, uh, more than anything? You need peace of mind. We need peace in our hearts and in our minds. And he says, you can be free from worry. You can be free from, you can be free from fear. And you can have peace. So Proverbs 3, 6, which follows that other proverb, says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And I talk to people all the time. He said, I just don't know which path to take. I'm like, well, are you seeking God's will or your will? Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So how do you seek God's will? How do you do that, right? That's the question. Like, you're like, oh, this is great. This is all this sermon stuff. But how do you do that? Well, you seek God's will. When we worship God, we're seeking his will. So we seek God's will, first of all, when we worship. And worship is not just, not just singing. Like, singing is worship, but worship isn't just singing. Because what, what we're doing right now, if you're engaged in, this, in this, this sermon, you're worshiping. We're worshiping. When you read the scripture, when you read the Christian scripture, you're worshiping. When you study it, when you commit a verse to memory, you're, you're worshiping. When you spend time in prayer, you're worshiping. And I don't mean just like before you eat, you say, you know, thank you for the food. That, that is definitely worship, to, to offer gratitude and grace. But it's also worship when you sit and just listen. And say, God, God, I'm just listening. It's worship when you bring him, like, I'm scared right now. God, I'm scared. And, I, and, I'm, and you say not to worry, and I find myself worrying. God, help me to not worry. That's worship because you're acknowledging something. He can do something you can't. Worship. We seek God also when we serve. When we serve, when we serve others, 
When we serve within the church family, when we serve outside the church family, when we serve our physical family, when we serve a stranger, when we serve by giving them a smile, when we serve by not taking all the toilet paper, that's actually serving our neighbor in a way that shows love. So whether you're in here, out there, when you serve, you're seeking God. You're seeking to draw, you're seeking to become more like Jesus. And we seek God when we invite, when we invite others. And I get it. This is a season of heading into Easter, and pretty much right now, I'm typically over the past decade or actually 20 years have been have been amping up. How do we invite people more to come on Easter? How are we going to invite people? How are we going to put invite cards in your hands? How are we going to get a billboard? Our 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 uh, our you know how are we going to you know, mobilize social media and a strategy so so we can invite more people? And at this point, it's like well we're not gathering, so how, how do we invite? Well, it's not about necessarily inviting people to a building or to a place or even to a moment, which I know that's huge. Right now in our culture, people want the moment. But it's inviting inviting others to a family. It's inviting others to a person. Jesus is the subject, and the church is, is the family of God. So an invitation is not necessarily to a place, but it's to a family, to a tribe, to to a, where, where it's very inclusive. Like it, can, it can include anybody and everybody. Invite. You seek God. You seek to become more like Jesus when you invite. Because Jesus is constantly inviting us into his presence. Constantly inviting us into his peace. Constantly inviting us into his love and his grace and truth. So when you trust Jesus, his, place, his peace replaces worry in your life. And that would be my prayer for all of us. That in this moment, in this day, now more than ever, that we would trust Jesus and His peace would replace worry in our lives. The message paraphrase of the scriptures is a—it's uh, not like a direct translation, but it's a, but it's a paraphrase. That means it's like it's kind of worded so it's easy to read. And I love to read from the message paraphrase. And Philippians four six and seven says this from that from that message: Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I'm going to pray for us, you guys. Lord, I just thank you that you care about us, that you desire to know us, you desire to be known by us, you desire for us to trust you. You want us to, to seek you, but not like you're hiding, but to become uh, more like you, that we would have, be full of grace and mercy and love, that you would fill us, Lord, with, with truth for ourselves so that we could follow you in that truth. But Lord, also to give us that just opportunities to be your, your, your family, to be your body, the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would share your love and show your love to our community, to our neighbor. Lord, right now we're dealing with, as, as a world, not just as a country or as a state, but Lord, as a world, as a culture, we're dealing with something huge. And Lord, help us to turn to you. May your church, Lord, turn to you and trust you. Help us, Lord, to understand that, 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 um, that not meeting together on Sunday is not out of fear or out of worry. It's out of concern. But it doesn't stop the church from being church because we are the people of God. So Lord, help us to remember that. Bring that to our memory. 
And as this next week approaches, help us to live it out. If we find ourselves confined to be with our family indoors or or even in in our own yards, Lord, give us opportunities to just love and trust you. If we find ourselves having to go out into a world that's scary because that's our job and we have to do our job, Lord, I pray that you would cover us with your presence, with your peace, and with deliverance. And that, Lord, we would be able to carry out our day, our everyday lives as much as possible. But, Lord, where you are the subject of it in the middle of this. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that this virus would stop being the subject. And that, Jesus, you would be the subject of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.